0: Well, you're at home with Jim and Joy, and you are an important part of our EWTN family, and we are delighted that you've welcomed us into your home. Now, we would love to hear from you, so send us an email with a question or a comment to Jim and Joy at eWTN.com. And our guest again today is Maria Gallagher. She is a Catholic author and a speaker. She is also the legislative director for the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. And she shared yesterday just ways that we, now we're in phase two since the falling of Roe versus Wade last June 24th and how we should respond as a pro-life community. Yeah. And we're gonna have, go a little bit more yeah. into depth about yeah. that discussion today. But today's also a day of transition yes. on At Home with Jim and yes. Joy.
1: Our producer for the last three years, Michael Kapruke, uh, is concluding his time as producer of At Home with Jim and Joy. He continues uh, his staff with EWTN. And we love Michael, and uh, he's done a great job with us. And uh, what I like best about Michael, really, is his love for his wife. Yes. Okay? Jessica. And his family. Uh, his daughter Miriam and and she's pregnant. He's growing family. He knows if it's a boy or a girl but he's not telling yeah. anyone. So that's okay. But Michael's work flows out of his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the church, his love for family. And that little daughter Jessica when she was now Miriam we, we, uh, Yeah, yeah Miriam. Before m- we knew Michael before he was married then yes. he married yeah, Jessica. And then had this little baby, and like immediately they took this baby flying, like he was flying back home. He was there like maybe it was like a month or two. I was say like what she had more
0: air miles than a lot of people.
1: And they're always flying, but they're mm-hmm. always going back to family functions, his yes. family or her family, mm-hmm. or whatever. So his dedication to family, I think, will be the thing we'll always remember about uh, Michael. But he'll continue here, Michael. Thank you for the over 400 shows that you did, all about life, marriage, and the family. I know you're like us. All we want to do is help to build a new culture of life, marriage and the family, so thank you, Michael.
0: And we'll have a new producer. His name is Robert Bush, and we're excited. I mean, everything is changing. Life changes every single day. So we just show up, and we give God our best.
1: So Maria Gallagher is back with us. The name of the book, Mercy's Power, Inspiration to Serve the Gospel of Life, a must-have book, a handbook for you at this time in the pro-life movement. We'll be right back, plenty more to come. Please don't go away.
0: Welcome back. Well, you're at home with Jim and Joy, and today our guest is Maria Gallagher. She is a Catholic author and a speaker, and she has written two books, and both of these books are available at EWTNRC.com. The one book is called Mercy's Power, which we're talking about today. It's the inspiration to serve the gospel of life. The other beautiful book is Joyful Encounters with Mary, A Woman's Guide to Living The Mysteries of the Rosary, Mm. you can go to our website, Mm MariaVGallagher.com. Well, Maria, we certainly enjoyed our conversation with you yesterday and are grateful that you wrote this book because you say so well in the book that we're in phase two and the church has to show up, the church has to wake up and show up and get involved and do something. It's not enough to say, I'm Catholic or I'm evangelical, or um, I'm against abortion. We need to be doing something with what we believe. We need to put our faith into action. But why the title, Mercy's Power? Where did that come from?
2: Well, I think that it was an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I had been uh, searching for a, a correct title for this book, and I thought to myself, well, the Marian Fathers, who are behind Marian Press, have a great devotion to Divine Mercy and I was wondering can we harness that power of mercy to promote life and it runs in my mind that a lot of times we focus on justice in the pro-life movement and that's very important but we need to show mercy to the moms, to the babies, to the fathers of these children to the frail elderly, to people with disabilities that's the way that we're going to help them that's the way we're gonna save lives. And that's the way we're gonna turn our country and our communities mm-hmm. around. It all starts with mercy. And what I mean by mercy is love in action quite simply. Yes. And it has to be both works of mercy and words of mercy. I think so often in our time, we get involved in these uh, Facebook wars, right? Where we get into arguments on Facebook yeah. or other social media channels, Twitter and uh, they don't really go anywhere. And I think that we have to be very careful in the words that we use as ambassadors for life. Mm -hmm. We have to recognize the fact that we may be the only Christ that anybody ever encounters. Mm -hmm. We may be the only Bible that anybody ever encounters. So we need to recognize that fact and we need to pray to the Holy Spirit to speak through us because we can't do it on our own. Mm -hmm. We need that power of the Most High to communicate.
1: And He wants to do that. I mean, that's a big part of what mercy is about, that mercy is what Christ looks like when He shows up. So we want Him to show up. So we have to pray for mercy ourselves in us and to work through us. But Lord, in His own divine mercy, wants to reach people, wants to move out towards people. I've come to seek and save the loss. I've not come for the well, I've come for those who are ailing." So th- this is this is our God, this is what the world needs to hear, this is what people need to hear who may have committed some sin, their full knowledge of it we don't know, who've been involved with abortion? 64 million abortions, how many people related to that, how many men involved with that. And we can get to the place too, once we realize what we've done, we just feel like our life is over. I remember mm-hmm. speaking to some abortionists, who were out at the mill, you know, where I was in this one in particular. And he gave me some time. He didn't say anything. And I, I think he really, really felt like he was damned. Mm-hmm. He was just damned. And I, I just I, I kind of picked up on that. So I want you to know you're not you're not damned. You you can go to hell. We could all go to hell and what okay. you do. You need to repent. You need to know the mercy of God. Uh, but you have to have mercy to give mercy. Mm.
2: You do and you think of somebody like Dr. Bernard Nathanson, Mm. he was the founder of the National Abortion Rights Action League, Mm. he was the founder of the pro-abortion movement in the United States Mm. and yet he did a complete turnaround and he became pro-life, he became Catholic and he wrote beautiful books Mm. that promoted life and he committed maybe tens of thousands of abortions, Mm -hmm. including abortions on his own children, Mm -hmm. and yet Mm -hmm. he had a dramatic change of heart, Mm -hmm. and if he can do it, other people can do it too, and I think that often um, we count people out, and we say to ourselves, oh that person is never going to be pro-life, they're always going to be stuck and mired in that culture of death, Mm -hmm. but we know of so many people who were involved in that, Abby Johnson for instance, Mm -hmm. the Planned Parenthood director who became pro-life and who wrote the wonderful book Unplanned that the movie was based on. So there's always mercy available for us. And even ourselves, I I think all of us are touched by the culture of death. Mm -hmm. And if we look inside our hearts, we may say that we contributed at some point to that culture but God in his mercy is willing to take care of us, to love us, to free us from that guilt and that shame. And we see through programs such as Rachel's Vineyard that reach out to women who have had abortions. And men. And men as Mm -hmm. well, whole families who Mm -hmm. have suffered from the trauma and tragedy of abortion. And yet they find healing and hope through that Mm -hmm. program. So I wanna let people know You shouldn't count yourself out. If you've been wounded by abortion, know that there is help. There is healing available to you. Trust in God, trust in His mercy. He's here to save
0: you and to help you. How important is prayer in the pro-life movement, especially in the second phase? Because we might think, Um, The law is a teacher, Um, we have life states, we have abortion states, and certainly the whole world will wake up and be converted just because the law has changed. And that's not necessarily true. So how important is prayer in this new culture of life that we have to stand up and defend daily?
2: Well, prayer is definitely a foundation, okay? We can't go anywhere until we get our marching orders from our Heavenly Father and He's there for us, He wants to guide us. I think so often in the pro-life movement as elsewhere, we get caught up in action, we wanna be doers like Martha in the Bible. When at some point we have to reflect and ponder and meditate on sacred scripture, we have to drink in the Word of God and realize that God wants to show us the path that will help us. We can go off on our own Mm -hmm. and we can become miserable failures when we do that, right? Even though our hearts may be in the right place, our minds are not. So we need to invoke that power and that grace of God to direct us on this path. And it's going to take a lot of prayer. I mean, we are in phase two of the pro-life movement Mm -hmm. And we need help from our Heavenly Father because we have wonderful states that have full protections mm-hmm. for preborn children, or, or most protections for preborn children and their mothers. We have other states that have virtually no protections mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. We have states that, such as my Pennsylvania that are in the middle. Mm-hmm. We have some protections through our Abortion Control Act, but it's not where we want to be. Yeah. Where will we get to that point? It's only through prayer and by doing what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're going to flounder.
0: Right. Well, I, and I'm sure there were people, even in the, the pro-life community, who didn't even believe last June 24th was really ever going to be a reality. Mm-hmm. Right? And they were just like, it's never, it just is what it is. It's the law of the land. And as America goes, so goes the world. Yes. And so, it, it what an opportunity, especially for our country, to be defenders of life from the moment of conception until natural death. And you're seeing that on both ends in the legislative process of how they're, of the, what the culture of death is about.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, we see the culture of death in the legislative process every single day mm-hmm. in America. I mean, can you believe that there are some legislators who do not believe in protecting life Right. Mm -hmm. up to the moment of birth Mm -hmm. or even beyond. Mm -hmm. That's astounding. And I think that uh, some of these people may just be misinformed. They may be Mm -hmm. ignorant of what their legislation actually says and and (laughs) what it would actually do. So that's why we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to help us to communicate to these legislators what in fact the truth is. And so I strive every day of my life to start out with prayer And I believe that if you go through a routine of prayer in your day, you're gonna be in a better position to face those challenges from the culture of death. You start off with a morning offering, you do a spiritual communion, asking Jesus into your heart. If you cannot get to mass that day, um, you dedicate your day to the blessed mother and you ask for Mary's guidance and support through your day. These are little ways that you can turn to God and turn to Mary and bring about a new culture. And
1: all that's in your book.
2: It is. It's not just you sharing
1: about it. You're trying to equip God's people for the work of the ministry.
2: Absolutely.
1: And so I just want our audience to know you can go to different sections in this book. You spoke at the first show about just assessing who you are, where you are at this point in your life and the gifts that you have, how you can apply them to the pro-life movement. Uh, The unexamined life is a life not worth living, somebody said. So we need to examine our lives. And then it's a real book on spirituality, pro-life spirituality.
2: It is. Spirituality
1: is is a big subject, but you're speaking about mercy in the pro-life movement. Mm -hmm. You're speaking about prayer. Well, what prayers? You have lists of prayers and litanies and everything. It's here. It's really a handbook for for your work uh, at whatever phase and stage you're in you know, in that movement. And some, of, some people, it's going to be intercessory prayer. They can't mm-hmm. go out to the abortion mill or work in a pregnancy medical center. But everybody could pray. And you need to pray for your own sake and then you need to intercede and pray with the angels and the saints and with the Blessed Virgin Mary. And sometimes we, we assess that low. Like, you know, like well, mm-hmm. like, all I can do is pray. Well, that's powerful.
2: Absolutely.
1: One Hail Mary, the power that is in that.
2: Yeah, I couldn't survive without prayer. And unfortunately for many years, I I didn't pray as I should and I went off the deep end. I did Mm. a big detour from the pro-life movement and uh, I was involved in my journalism career. I thought to myself, I can't do anything for pro-life. And it it took one individual to come to me and say, what are you doing for pro-life? And I said to him, I can't do anything, I'm a journalist. And he questioned that. He started giving me pro-life materials to read and I became on fire for the issue of life. Yeah. And God can reach you in strange ways. Mm-hmm. I was actually at a, uh, a dance, an Irish dance festival in the Catskills yeah. when a priest uh, gave this wonderful homily about pro-life and it convicted me. And I came back home and I said, I'm not gonna dance right now, I'm gonna work for pro-life. And it made a phenomenal difference in my life and and in the lives of other people as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I think God's mercy even came to the pro-life movement. Because people who were out just on the sidewalks doing sidewalk counseling, well then 40 Days for Life got started, right? And so that was just a new breath, a new mercy of God just to say to stand here, stand at the gates of hell and pray 40 days, 40 nights. And that went all over the world. That was God's mercy to the church and to the movement to say, This is how important prayer is. And people fasted and they prayed. And
1: they're still doing it. And they're still
0: doing it. And they're coming out and evangelicals, Catholics, right? And so that's the pro life movement that brings everybody together. Absolutely. And I I couldn't have
2: said it any better, Joy. Uh, You really encapsulated it. And I just want to see what God has next for the pro life movement. And it's such a beautiful thing. Who would have ever thought out of the tragedy and evil and ugliness of abortion, that this beautiful pro-life movement would Mm -hmm. blossom, Mm -hmm. a movement of prayer, a movement of evangelization, an ecumenical movement, we see so many people who are interested in my book who aren't even Catholic. Mm-hmm. Right. They want to know the truth. They're, yeah. they're hungering for that truth. They're hungering for a closer relationship to Christ and a way that they can share God's mercy with other people. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It's perhaps the greatest movement of ecumenism in, in our time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's brought together so many people around life, around the gospel of life. You mentioned the word evangelism yes how does evangelism fit with this and you know we work in a pregnancy medical center yes and eighty percent of the people coming in are Christian they're baptized or they have some background how deep it runs you experienced that yourself a new yes. conversion of heart um, but so when we would speak about our center try to get people involved and support the center in this and that and then we had some people coming through and so he said well, what do you do here what are you and one day I just said we're an evangelization center he was an evangelical.
0: We're the new evangelization And that's it,
1: we're a new evangelization <laughs> mm-hmm. center because 80% of our clientele are Catholic, Protestant, whatever they might be, you know, of, of stripes, and they claim Christ, but they're coming here, numerous of them, to talk about abortion, they want to abort their child.
0: And, so, and they prayed about it.
1: So yeah. we have to do evangelization, who Jesus is and what the church is right. about in the context of the culture of death, of a throwaway mm-hmm. culture. And that since the beginning of time, the church always stood for life, every human life passionately, and Jesus was an embryo, a fetus, and he now reigns as King of King and Lord of Lords. Do you understand that? I mean, so we say, well, yeah, I guess I did. And then so we say, can we pray with you? Maybe you need to reconvert to this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pro-life is evangelization, because we're not evangelized from anything. You know, mm-hmm. what the heck are we evangelize from? Mm-hmm. How can we do these things? Um, and so they say, oh, I didn't know that counts too. You know, morality and faithfulness to my wife and fidelity and chastity, you mean that's all a part of the faith? Yeah, we got Catholic people that we're speaking to.
2: Yeah, I I think it's amazing when I hear the success stories from pregnancy centers. And it's wonderful that a life is saved and it's wonderful that a woman is loved and shown mercy, Mm. but even greater than that is the profound change in the lives of the people who Come to the pregnancy centers. Yeah. Their lives are turned around. Absolutely. They may earn their GED. They may earn mm-hmm. their college degree. Mm-hmm. They may find housing after being homeless. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a one stop shop right. for these. They women. get off
0: drugs. We've yes. had we've had uh, clients who go into rehab right. during pregnancy for the
1: sake of their child. For the sake know, of their child. Right. Yes.
0: And so there's so many ways to rescue and to restore and to renew that human being who God brings into your path and says, you ask her, how can you help her? Because right. God brought her to you. Right. You know, I, I always, I am like being out on the streets. Well, now the center, Jesus says, Joy, I'm going to bring the streets to you. Yes. And every day the streets come. Yes. And so ways that we can love and honor and adore and cherish that human being when her boyfriend may have abandoned her, right. when her family may have abandoned mm-hmm. her. And she's coming in to say, can I find help yeah. here? Absolutely.
1: We're going to need to take a break. We're holding you over for the final segment. You have so much to share. And thankfully, people can get your book, Mercy's Power, Inspiration to Serve the Gospel of Life. It's a must read at this time for you for your family as we enter into this new phase of the movement. We'll be right back. Plenty more to come. Please don't go away.
0: Well, we're finishing up our conversation with Maria. Now Maria, what is your hope for the readers of Mercy's Power? What is exactly that you want them to come away with?
2: Well first of all, I want everybody to know I pray for my readers because I want the seeds that I've planted to be sown in good soil Mm. and I want them to (laughs) blossom. And so I want the readers to come away with both a spiritual game plan and a practical game plan to rebuilding a culture of life in their families, in their communities, in their country, and in their world. It sounds like a tall order, but I think that with my intrepid editor, Joe McAleer, I think we've managed to accomplish that in this book. It's a very readable book. Yeah. The chapters are very short to the point. And I think that people can read it and really come away with a greater understanding of what their role can be in the pro-life movement and what the pro-life movement can accomplish. I think we sell ourselves short too often. We're just concentrating on this little facet of our community and we don't realize that there are larger repercussions Mm -hmm. and larger implications. And we need to stress the fact that just one person can do amazing things, it's the power of one, Mm -hmm. as uh, the football player Benjamin Watson talks Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just think about Mother Angelica and what she was able to create, that one person, if, had it not been for her we wouldn't be sitting here right. today mm-hmm. and the pro-life movement wouldn't be where it is today You're without You're right about her, that or
0: with her. EWTN right? Absolutely
2: mm-hmm. absolutely and I think the other thing that I hope that people will come away with is a greater appreciation for the Eucharist and the power of the Eucharist mm-hmm. you know Father John Hardin who is on his way to canonization mm-hmm. once said there is no stopping abortion without the Eucharist mm-hmm. there is no stopping abortion without the Eucharist And I think too often um, we don't take enough time to spend time with our Lord before Him and to talk with Him and to see what He has to say to us. Mm -hmm. I know I'm guilty of this. I do a, a litany of what I want and what I think I need and I don't spend the time to listen, to truly listen to what He's trying to say to me. And I think that that happens through adoration
0: well, and in the reception of the Eucharist yes. is that God then restores us, yeah. He renews us, He refreshes us. We become what we consume yes. so that then we are fortified and strengthened to do what He's called us to do. Right. And God, God comes up alongside of us and say, you don't have to do this alone. I'm inside of you, and I'm going to give you superpowers to do what I'm asking (laughs) you to do. No matter how small it is, no matter how great it is, but we all have to do something.
2: Yes, we all have to do something. We are called upon as citizens of the world and as citizens of God's kingdom to do something to promote life. And it could be something very small. Maybe the only thing that you can do is to pray in your home for these pregnant women and their children. Maybe you're called to do something big like write legislation or lobby your congressman. Maybe you're called to um, show mercy to pregnant women in need. There, there are so many facets to the pro-life movement. We need you. I think that we need to raise up a, a new um, class of artists and musicians and performers who are gonna dedicate themselves to promoting life in their work, we really do. We need new media people who are willing to Mm -hmm. use their talents and gifts to promote life. There are so many facets of the pro-life movement and I am here for it. I am ready and I am eager to see what God has in store for us next. Maria, thank Thank you so
1: very, very much for equipping and beautifying the bride of Christ. God bless you and your great efforts. Mercy's power, inspiration to serve the gospel of life, EWTNRC.com. I think we should get these and be giving them to our grandchildren to raise up the next generation Mm -hmm. for this particular phase that they would be equipped, have a spiritual plan, an action plan to be both Mary and Martha in this age and in this time. You're an important part of this family. You're never alone. You're always at home with Jim and Joy. Bye now.